Good morning. Oh, nine o'clock was better. Come on. Good morning. Good morning. There it is. Uh, if you are in middle school, if you are going into sixth, seventh, or eighth grade, you are actually dismissed right now. You may uh, leave and go with two of our leaders, Josh Hodges and Josh Johnson, there towards the back. Uh, I will not be down there today because I will. I am up here today. So, my name is. Uh, you're probably wondering why I'm saying that. My name is Trevor Cook. Uh, I'm the youth director here. Uh, and, and the reason why I say that, I feel like I have to say it every time that I come up here because uh, the, like probably a year and a half ago when I first came to this church, Pastor Dwayne brought me up on stage. He introduced me to you all uh, as the youth director, but he also just couldn't help but sharing the fact that I was single. And... <laughs> And so I think a lot of people just thought that I was some nice guy that Pastor Dwayne brought up and that was, you know, trying to auction off to any of the women who are single here. Um, kind of like, look, ladies, he, he loves Jesus and, and he's breathing. So are you interested? Um, no, it did not work. It did not work. And I started off last service this way and Pastor Dwayne yelled, he's still single. And my girlfriend that was sitting right over there didn't appreciate that one bit. Um, but I love our pastors here at our church. I, I love our elders and our deacons and, and just this community. Uh, I am really proud to be a part of this community. It's a, a special community of Jesus followers. And uh, I'm just excited for the opportunity to come up here uh, and to share from God's word with you this morning. So if you are new, we just want to say welcome. We are so glad that you've decided to join us this morning. Uh, thank you for being here. And we hope that you feel at home while you're here. So our passage this morning, uh, if you have a Bible, you can open up to Deuteronomy chapter six. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. You can follow along on the screen. Uh, the, the, the book of Deuteronomy is Moses's final days. Uh, it's, his, it's his final address to the next generation of Israelites. Uh, these are Moses's parting words that he wants to leave uh, with his people, the people that he cares about, the people that he loves, uh, right before they enter the promised land. And so in Deuteronomy chapter five, the author uh, writes that Moses gathers the people together and he goes through the 10 commandments. And if you grew up in the church, uh, you're very aware of those 10 commandments. And then in chapter six, he says this, uh, Moses says this to the people. He says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your, uh, on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And so I want to title our message this morning, Pass It On. Pass it on. Would you actually turn to the person next to you and say, pass it on? Very good. Let me pray for us real fast. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, God, we just, we thank you for another morning where we get to gather together as a community. We thank you for your infinite love and grace. Help us now as we approach your word. Uh, may we be challenged and encouraged as we consider what it means to pass it on. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Does anyone here have, uh, have an amazing mom? Yeah, have an amazing mom? I have an amazing mom. I also have uh, an amazing stepmother who's actually here this morning. God was like, yeah, you get not only one, but two. And I'm really grateful for that. Uh, I also have an amazing dad. He's here too, I should probably say that. Uh, I have an amazing dad as well. And, uh, 
I love my parents. I grew up in a Christian home. Both of my parents were Jesus followers. And so what that meant was uh, you went to church on Sunday. You did not get to miss church, uh, a lot like school. You didn't get to miss school. You didn't get to miss church. It wasn't an option. Uh, And so I was a teenager. Uh, I think I was in high school and I was sleeping one Sunday morning and my mom came in and she said, hey, sweetie, uh, it's time to get up. And of course I was super compliant. I was like, yes, ma'am. And I got up and no, I was... I was moody and defiant, Um, but I got up. I threw on my Sunday best. We hopped in the car and we began our 45 minute trek to church. That's right, 45 minutes. Our friends from Castle Rock know know the feeling, but I, uh, (laughs) we hopped in the car. Uh, We arrived in the parking lot. We walked in through the doors of the auditorium, the, the, the doors of the sanctuary. We found some seats towards the back. And, uh, and the music was starting right as we were there. Uh, the music was starting and my mom loves to sing, loves to sing praises, um, has an amazing voice and, and I do not. So my mom remained standing as worship was beginning in service. And I decided I'm just going to sit down because I don't feel like worshiping Jesus this morning. So I, I, I was sitting and my mom was standing and she was singing and she noticed, she noticed that I wasn't standing. And so she stopped singing and she, she bent down to where I was sitting and she said, Trevor Alford, you know you're in trouble if your mom uses your middle name, right? Yes, Alford is my middle name. Um, she said, Trevor Alford, you can either stand and worship the Lord or you can go sit in the car. So I chose the car. And I sat in the car. And uh, don't worry though, it was winter time in, in Tucson, Arizona. It was only 150 degrees. But seriously, uh, the, the, the point is, is that that moment was a pivotal moment for me in my faith. Uh, as I said, I grew up in a Christian home, two Christian parents, two Christian older brothers. Uh, my mom even worked for the church for a few years. I went to private Christian school most of my life. Uh, and at that point, I had placed my faith in Jesus. I had been baptized. Uh, I went to church every day. But if I'm to be honest, I was young and I was apathetic. And I wasn't exactly living out my faith. To me, being a Christian was, it was the norm. It was routine. It was religious. But what I felt like my mom was saying to me at this moment that was so pivotal was, if this is just a religious activity to uh, to you, then you can go sit in the car. And I'm really grateful that she said that uh, because what I believe she was saying is we are here to worship. We are here to learn about Jesus. We are here to sing his praises. We are here for community. And my parents, my parents are great parents. I I love them very much. And uh, you can ask them actually after the service, they're not perfect parents. They'd be the first ones to tell you that I'm not outing them and I'm not going to get in trouble for saying that. I don't think, Um, but they, they, they weren't perfect. But the one thing that they passed on to me is that faith, faith is not a religious activity. Loving God is not a religious activity. It's about having a relationship with the God of the universe. And so whether we realize it or not, uh, we all have some influence in someone else's life. Just like my parents had a major influence in mine. We all have people who are passing things on to us, whether, uh, or that we're passing on to others, whether it's the things that we do 
or the things that we know or the things that we say, the way we spend our time, uh, the way we act in social settings, the things we post on social media, the things we like on social media, the bumper stickers we slap onto our cars, the the politics we preach, uh, whether you are a spouse or a parent or a grandparent, teacher, coach, manager, salesman, engineer, doctor, financial advisor, firefighter, lawyer, uh, whether you're a teenager or adolescent, you are passing something on to someone else. And so the question is, what are you passing on? In a day-to-day basis, if we were to look at your life, what are you passing on? Are you passing on love? Are you passing on indifference? Are you passing on forgiveness or condemnation? Are you passing on contentment or greed, selflessness or selfishness, patience or anger, Jesus or religion? And I know that many of us have busy lives and we don't necessarily get to ask ourselves this question. What am I passing on? What does my life say about the love that I have for God? But I want to slow down this morning and I want to take a second and I want us to consider what are we passing on and what does it look like to pass on the things that we know and and how we love Jesus. Looking back at Deuteronomy chapter six, verses four through nine, Moses, again, these these are his, his parting words. This is old man Moses. Moses has been through and seen a lot. He has walked with God. He has talked with God. His people are about to enter the promised land, which they had spent an entire lifetime trying to get to. And so Moses wants to remind them, hey, the promised land is great. It's gonna be awesome. You are gonna love it. It is a gift from God. But don't forget who got you to the promised land. Don't forget who got you there. Who's the one that that, that created it and, and made it for you. Remember that you are to love God with your heart and your soul and your might. And remember that God loves you. If he didn't love you, he wouldn't be giving you this land. And it's your privilege and, and, and your responsibility to pass that on to your children and your children's children. That is what we are called to. So when you are in the marketplace, when you are sitting at home, when you're eating a meal or going to bed or waking up, love God with everything that you have. The truth is, is we look at this passage in Deuteronomy chapter six and and it's a tall order, is it not? It's a tall order. As Pastor Duane would say, good luck. You're not gonna be able to do this on your own. You're not gonna be able to live this out perfectly because God knows we're human beings. We're going to make mistakes. We are going to do things that don't exemplify the love of God or the love that we have for God. And that's okay because we don't need to be perfect in this because we have Jesus. And when we, and when we consider Deuteronomy chapter six, that's that, you know, really when we look at that, the embodiment of that is Jesus himself. When we look at his life, he lived this out. He spent three years on this earth with the disciples. He walked with them. He taught them. He, he ate meals with them. Jesus showed them, this is how you love someone. This is how you have compassion towards someone. This is how you show someone grace who doesn't deserve it. Jesus showed them all of these things. They were his disciples and he made disciples of them by loving God with his heart, mind, and soul, his heavenly father. He taught these commandments to his disciples. Again, when they're at the marketplace, when they were sitting at the dinner table and having a meal before they went to bed and and when they woke up. And the cool thing is, is the disciples didn't have to bind these words on their wrists. They didn't have to have them as frontlets between their eyes. 
because they were with the living, breathing word of God. They had Jesus. Jesus was with them and Jesus is with us. And even when we pass on things that are not pleasing to God, there's immeasurable grace as Paul talks about in Ephesians. If we love God as he has loved us, we will do these things and keep his commandments because he's at work in our lives. And why, we are to, and, and why are we to, to do this? Because when we look at the Old Testament, when we read it, when we look at the New Testament, what we quickly realize is that this is the way to life. Loving God with every fiber of our being is the way to life. It is the way to, to true gospel transformation. It is the way to the fullest life possible. And it's what we were created for. We were created to love God and to find our purpose in his love. So how can we pass this on? How can we pass on this love of God and, and how can we share this with others? And I think when I, when I was writing this out, uh, there's a couple of different stages of life that kind of come to my mind. And so I just wanna spend a few moments and look at those different stages of life. And, and also uh, just one of the resources that we have as Jesus followers, and these aren't the only resources, but in my mind, as I was considering this, this is what, uh, what I felt like God was really putting on my heart. So uh, the first stage of life that I really want to look at are those who are in their 60s and older. Can you all identify yourselves for us? No, I'm just kidding. You can put your hands down. You don't have to. That's an inappropriate question. Um, But if you are 60 years or older, you have the resource of wisdom. You have the resource of wisdom. God has given you wisdom through your life circumstances, the things that you've gone through. He has given you that wisdom. And as King Solomon writes in Proverbs 16, 31, uh, he says this, gray hair is a crown of splendor. It is attained in the way of righteousness. So maybe you have grandchildren or maybe you don't. If you don't have grandchildren, let me just encourage you. You have some younger brothers and sisters downstairs right now in the kids' ministry that need people like you in their lives to show them how, how we follow Jesus. What does this look like? What does this mean? Your role is vital in terms of bringing younger generations into the church and making them feel loved and welcomed and, and accepted. Your role in the church is so important. And so when I think of someone who is, who is older, someone I respect, someone who has passed on faith to me, uh, I, I think immediately of my grandmother, my grandma Lois. She's my, my only living grandparent left. She's 78. She's about to be 79 in a couple of days. Uh, and she has an amazing life. She, she actually, uh, my grandfather, her husband passed away about 17 years ago, a few days before September 11. And... Uh, and then when he passed away, she retired 10 years, uh, 10 years later. And the way that she spent, she spends her retirement is actually, uh, she's moved to Katy, Texas. She lives with some family down there. Uh, but every week she works with this organization who, uh, works with legal immigrants who have moved here to America. They're refugees. And this organization loves them, cares for them, uh, supplies food and clothes, uh, helps them and teaches them English and all. And while they are doing this, they're also declaring the gospel. They are sharing Jesus with these people who come, uh, who come from different backgrounds, different religious beliefs. And it's absolutely incredible to see her doing that. And I only get to see her maybe once a year if I'm lucky, but I know that that's how she spends her days, even in retirement and it just inspires me and it challenges me as a young man. And what she has passed on to me, my family, and those around her is a legacy of faith that doesn't end when you retire. 
It doesn't end when you retire. She's a, she is living and breathing proof that if you're not dead, you're not done. So some of you laugh at that. <laughs> Didn't expect laughter, not gonna lie. So if you are in your 60s or you're older, or you're about to enter that stage of life, uh, just remember that whether you, again, have grandchildren or don't, you have younger brothers and sisters in your life who need you to listen to them, to help them, to encourage them, to challenge them, inspire them, pray for them, and pour into them. You are so needed and you have so much wisdom to share with the rest of us. The next stage of life is, is, is parents. If you are a parent, you have the resource of authenticity and accessibility. Your children have daily access into your lives. Uh, and this is exactly what Moses is talking about in Deuteronomy chapter six. Uh, they, they see your, your children, they see you live out your faith in good times and in bad. People will come and go in your child's life, but you will remain. And so I wanna start off by saying this, uh, that I'm not married and I'm not a parent. I think that was pretty obvious. Um, I'm not married and I, I am not a parent. And when I was younger, I was very optimistic. When I was like, you know, coming out of high school, early twenties, I was like, oh man, I can't wait to like meet the love of my life and like have kids and stuff. And, and then that didn't happen to me. Uh, and then my friends started getting married. My friends started having kids and it was like, God was lifting the veil from over my eyes and, and, and made me realize uh, this is no picnic. Being married and having children, they are a gift from God. They are awesome. They are a fantastic gift, but it is hard work. Is it not? Amen. Yeah. All the women. <laughs> All the women said amen. Oh, that's fantastic. Yes, it's hard. It's difficult. It is so difficult, and it is, it, but it is a, a gift from God. It totally is. Marriage and, and having children. And so parents, I, I just want to encourage you and I want to let you know that I have tremendous respect for, for what you guys do on a day-to-day -day basis. It is not easy being a spouse. It's not easy being a parent. And so the things I'm about to say are not as a parent. They're not as someone who is married. The things I'm about to say are from a place of I grew up in a Christian home. I had two Christian parents. And also I've been doing youth ministry for eight, eight years. And this is just, these are just patterns. These are things that I've noticed. And so the first thing, uh, parents, is I want you to know that you are your child's number one influence when it comes to their faith development. You are number one. Not me, uh, not your kids' coaches or teachers, uh, even their peers. They might shape some of the way they see things, but they're really learning from you. An example of this happened just a couple of months ago. And before I tell this story, I just want to say that I was not making a political statement uh, when I told this or when I made this story. Uh, I, and I'm not making a political statement now, so please don't send me an email. Uh, but I was teaching our middle schoolers a couple of months ago, a couple of months ago, and I uh, was talking about this story and Jesus was in it. And, um, and I decided to compare a, a character in the Bible to our current president, President Trump. And uh, silence, <laughs> silence. Oh my goodness, don't go there. Don't worry, I'm not gonna go there. Uh, but I, I made the mistake of doing that. And, and so I got to that part of the, the lesson to our middle schoolers and, and I compared them to that. And then all of a sudden, all these kids are like, oh my gosh, Donald Trump. And like, oh my gosh, Hillary Clinton, like 25 middle schoolers spouting out political opinions. I just, I didn't expect it at all. I quickly changed it to like, okay, Bill Gates, never mind. Um, like I tried to change the subject like, like I am right now uh, to that. 
And so I thought to myself, like, whoa, what was that? Like, where did that come from? Parents, it came from you. They, they, and that's not a knock on you. I, that's an encouragement. Like your kids listen and hear everything that you say. Uh, they, you are shaping their view of politics and people and God. Uh, because the truth is none of your kids are going home and they're not watching CNN or Fox News. Like they're not opening up the New York Times and saying to each other, oh my gosh, unemployment's down 4%. Or can you believe the stock market's so high? Like those are just comments that middle schoolers aren't making to one another. It's not something that they're doing. And where does it come from? It comes from you, parents. And that's an advantage that all of us don't have or the rest of us don't have in your kid's life. And we can laugh about that story, but parents, you are, you're shaping how your kid views the world, how your kid sees Jesus, how, he, how they see God. And so parents, when you're sitting in traffic, when you're at the grocery store, when you're driving your kid to practice, and when you're sitting at the dinner table, and when you're hanging out during the halftime of a Broncos game, remind your children that God loves them. When your child's not doing well in school, when they're sick, when they're going through their first, heart, uh, their first heartbreak, fighting with a sibling or, or maybe a friend or even a, the other parent, remind them that God loves them. When your child's defiant, difficult, selfish, hurtful, and divisive, which I know is rare, <laughs> through good times and through bad, remember and remind them that God loves them and that they are to love God with everything they have. And the good news is that God can even use your mess ups and your mistakes as parents uh, to point to the love of God. And I know this because I've experienced this in my own life. When I was in seventh grade, my mom told me that uh, her and my dad were going to get a divorce. And that was incredibly difficult. That was a tough time for our family. And even though my parents' marriage was broken, they still continued to love God through that. They continued to place their faith in Jesus. And because of their faith and love, for God as a family, over the last 14 years, we've been able to mend a lot of that brokenness and that mess. And it's been absolutely amazing to see God's grace at work in our lives. And I know that that was a very humbling and, and sobering moment for my parents in their marriage. But one of the cool things is that without knowing, they would both say to me uh, at different times when the other one wasn't around, Trevor, we love you. We love your brothers. This is not what God intended for our marriage. This is not what he, he would have wanted for us. We love you and we hope that you can forgive us. And that was life-changing for me as their child. Does God want marriages to end in divorce? No, no, he doesn't. But the beauty of our king is that he can take something as broken and as messy as a divorce and he can use it to show us his love for us. He's at work in the mess of our lives. And I think we actually get a greater understanding of his love and a greater understanding of the magnitude of his grace in our lives in the mess. Parents, you aren't perfect and you don't have to pretend to be. You have something worth passing on and using, giving your children that accessibility and that authenticity to, it shows your children how to love God through good and through bad and through every season of life. The next stage I want to talk about briefly is, um, is the singles, the singles in the house. Uh, I won't identify you. I won't do that. Um, I'm very passionate about people who are single, uh, especially those who are in their 20s. Maybe you're single and you're, you're uh, older and you're not in your 20s. You're a little bit older than that. Um, 
God has given you the resource of time. God has given you the resource of time. Again, I've, I'm passionate about this because I have been single for most of my 20s and it's been such a gift. Uh, the Apostle Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 7, uh, those who marry will have earthly troubles and I wanna spare you of that. <laughs> Paul loves marriage. Um, he then goes on to say, in verse 32, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord and how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things and how to please her husband. And those who are married couples here in this church, uh, those who are married couples and have children would tell you those who are single, um, that even though life can be a little busy and chaotic, uh, it just increases when you get married and when you have kids and that's the way of life. But right now you have a unique opportunity to bless the church. You have a unique opportunity to pour into people in a way that most people can't. And that's an incredible blessing. And so when I think of uh, single people who really impacted my life, I immediately think of uh, my basketball coach, Jason Stewart. I know I played basketball, it doesn't look like it, but I did. Jason Stewart was a, he was, a, he was actually a college world champion. He played for the Arizona Wildcats in 1997, won the men's boys basketball tournament there. Uh, he coached my two older brothers and then he eventually coached me in middle school on a club team. Uh, and he came into my life at a pivotal time because it was right around the time that my parents split. And the truth is, is that he was more than a coach. He would, uh, he would hang out with us and uh, he, we would have practices. And then afterwards, he would take me and a couple of other, the, the other players home. But before we got home, he would stop at Dairy Queen and we would hang out and eat, eat ice cream and have fun. And uh, he would uh, take us to fancy restaurants sometime as just like a thank you saying like, hey, thank you for all your hard work uh, and practice in, in, in the tournaments. And he blessed me and, and many others in that way. And then there was even one time when we went to Dallas and he took me and all of the guys on the team and many of them, not Jesus followers, he took us to church one Sunday when we were in Dallas in the tournament. And that was absolutely awesome. He was a great coach and we won a lot of games. We won a lot of tournaments. But at the end of the day, winning games is not what I took away from him. He invested in me as a young man and as a Jesus follower. He showed me what it looked like to pour into the next generation, those who are younger than me. He showed me how to love them and care for them and encourage them. And so if you are single and you're here this morning, make use of the time that God has given you because it is a gift. It is an absolute gift. And, I, and, and I've loved it, but I'm, I'm glad I have a girlfriend, but I, I loved it very much. She's not here, it's fine. Don't tell her. Um, the next stage of life I wanna look at is just if you are a teenager or younger, because I know there are some in here who are teenagers or younger, and I'm also the youth guy, and who would I be if I didn't recognize you? Um, whether you believe it or not, you have the resource of influence. We live in a day and age, we live in a culture that elevates and celebrates youthfulness. And God has given you an opportunity to either use that influence for personal gain or to use it to make much of him. The Apostle Paul writes this in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech and conduct in love in faith and in purity. So whether it, was, whether it is with people in your peer group or those who are younger than you, set an example of this. 
So one of the cool things that we've been doing in the youth ministry after the last, or in the past couple of months is that we've been creating opportunities for students uh, to reach out, to use their influence to impact the kingdom of God, to impact those in their lives or those who are in their lives and those who are around them. Uh, Recently, we went to Guatemala. We went to Champrico, Guatemala, and it was an an incredible experience. Those who prayed for us, those who gave, thank you very much uh, from the bottom of my heart. Those prayers got us there, that financial aid got us there, uh, and and it was just absolutely amazing. Uh, We would wake up in the mornings. It was me and Tyler Brinks, one of our elders. He's also a volunteer in our youth ministry. Emily Boyd, who's a volunteer in the kids and in the youth ministry. And then Emma Pond, who was a former student of the youth ministry. Uh, The four of us took eight students down there, and it was just absolutely incredible. We woke up in the mornings and we would spend about four or five hours on, uh, on top of the church roof, building an office and building an extra room that's going to be for missionaries when they stay there. And then we would have lunch and the kids would go downstairs. Our students would go downstairs uh, and they would actually, the, the kids in the village knew that they were going to be there. And our, our students would head down there and they would spend three to four to five hours with them, pouring into them. And it was just absolutely incredible to see these teenagers use their influence to impact the kingdom of God in that way. I mean, there was 35, 40 children from the village who'd come every day and and just couldn't wait to see them. And to just see them use their influence in that way was absolutely awesome. Also, over the last couple of months, we've been making more of an effort to get our students, our teenagers, we've been trying to get you more involved in our kids' ministry. So we have opportunities in the kids' ministry. You probably have noticed there are teenagers in there. We also have teenagers serving in the AV team, worship team, welcome team, coffee team. And it just is such a blessing because they are using their influence in a way that is pleasing to God. And then lastly, I was talking to our children's director, Josh Burns. If you don't know Josh Burns, you should get to know him. He's absolutely amazing. Um, I was talking to him because as Dwayne and Aaron and now me, as we've been talking about, there's VBS this week. VBS is Monday through Thursday, and it's going to be absolutely amazing. 120 kids signed up to come to hear about Jesus. Uh, Some of them are probably your children. But it's just this incredible time of of seeing the community coming together and pouring into those who are younger than us. And so I asked Josh, I said, how many middle schoolers and high schoolers do we have serving that week? And he said about 25 plus, which is just a little over half of our youth group, which is absolutely amazing. And, And teenagers, again, if you're in here, your influence is vital. Your, your influence can impact those around you and those who are younger than you and even those who are older than you. You have a ton of influence and we want to give you those opportunities to make much of God in the lives of others. Lastly, maybe you're a visitor here this morning. Maybe you're new. Maybe you don't really know much about Jesus or maybe it's been a long time since you've been in church and you don't really know what to make of what I've just been talking about over the last couple of minutes. If that's the case, then I want to encourage you to get connected into this community. I mean, I really do. I, I've been here for about 16, 17 months, and I've just absolutely loved being a part of this community. It is a very special community. If you're new here this morning, give the people in here the opportunity to hear your story, to get to know you, to talk about Jesus, and maybe even give them the opportunity to pass on to you what's been passed on to them. We're all on a journey. We're all in process. Let us join you in that process and in that journey because it's much more exciting together. 
So whether you're a parent or you're a grandparent, whether you're married or single or adolescent, whatever stage of life you're in, you're passing on your faith or you are passing something on to somebody and what you have is totally worth passing on. God has given you that opportunity. And I hope that in this message, one of the things that you've learned is that it takes a village. It takes a group of people to love God and to share the love of God with others. And we can't, we can't do it alone. We are the body. The body's made up of many parts and each of us have an important role in all of this. I think the devil loves to trick us into thinking that we can't pass on the love of God because maybe we're unworthy, maybe because of some sin in our lives, maybe because we're wrestling with something internally that we don't want to talk about. And I just want to be clear with you, that is not true. That is not true. You might be, you might be you know, caught up in some sin, caught up in some darkness in your life, but that doesn't mean that God can and will not use you. God will, God, God will use you. Do you love God? Have you placed your faith in Jesus? Is he, is he your Lord and Savior? You can answer yes to those questions, then you have something worth passing on to those around you. Jesus says this to a crowd after his resurrection in, in Matthew chapter 28, and we're going to wrap up with this. A lot of us know it as the Great Commission. It says this, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is a command, but it's also a privilege. And as the people of God, we've got this. We can do this. We will do it imperfectly, but we will do it together. As Pastor Dwayne said a few weeks ago, don't be a fan of Jesus. Don't sit in the stands. Get into the game. Trust in the love that God has for you. Trust in the sacrifice that Jesus has made for you. And trust in the Holy Spirit that lives in you. You have something worth passing on. Will you guys pray with me? God, we just, we thank you again for these moments that we share as a community. We thank you that we get to gather together and learn from your word and that your word challenges us and it convicts us, but it also encourages us. We are passing something on. We are passing on your love to others and we won't do that perfectly, but by your grace, you will do something magnificent in our attempts. We love you so much, Lord, and we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.